want you to turn with me to the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. You don't hear a lot of sermons from the Song of Solomon. If you've ever read through the Song of Solomon, you might understand why. It's one of those books that, man, you're like you tiptoe around in there as a preacher, especially in public in the pulpit. But it's there for a reason, the Song of Solomon. Chapter 2, verse 15 says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. I like the way another translation puts it. It says, Hunt the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines are in blossom. Miss Jane, there's a red fox that, that goes between your neighborhood and my neighborhood. I've seen that fox in my yard. I've seen him over on Tiggy. I've seen him over on Oak Meadow. That little red fox is kind of everywhere. I don't know if it's the only one or if there's a family of them, but foxes are unique creatures. And today I want to preach a message entitled, The Little Foxes, The Little Foxes. And I want to say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray, God, that you would speak deeply to our hearts. I pray, God, that you would anoint me and help me to speak what we need to hear, and I give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This book in your Bible is about a relationship between a young man and a young woman. The young man is King Solomon. We don't know the name of the young woman. While these are their words to each other, the Lord inspired them to write what they wrote to tell a much bigger story. From the first two words of the book, in the Hebrew Bible, we see this book called the Song of Songs. Now that kind of language is used throughout Scripture. King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Holy of Holies. And here we have Song of Songs. So what does it mean? Well, 1 Kings 4.32 tells us that Solomon was a prolific songwriter. As a matter of fact, it says he wrote 1,005 songs. Now, that's interesting. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines, and he wrote 1,005 songs. But out of all of these songs, this was his magnum opus. This was the one that he thought should define him. He called it the Song of Songs. This was his stairway to heaven. This was his free bird. This was his purple haze. This was his R-E-S-P-E-C-T. This was his, I heard it through the grapevine. This was his, ain't no mountain high enough. For some of you others, this is his Wichita lineman is still on the line. This is his coal miner's daughter. This was his, the devil went down to Georgia. This was his, a love that makes me sing. Oh, wait, that's my song. Never mind, I, I got carried away. But I could go on and on, you know, with the music stuff. But this was Solomon's all-time favorite number one hit. And it was a love song. Now, ultimately, the bigger story here is the relationship between not a king and his bride, but a, 
the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and his people. This relationship is portrayed as a vineyard where time, talent, and treasure has been spent to produce a beautiful, bountiful harvest of sweet-tasting grapey grapes. You know what I mean when I say grapey grapes? Let me explain. There's grapes that taste like just water in a little green thing or a little purple thing. And then those, those gra- there's those grapes that you put in your mouth, and you're like, now that's a grapey grape. It tastes sweet and good and succulent. It is delicious. This vineyard was making those sweet-tasting grapey grapes. And then the story introduces some bad guys, some villains. And they're not monsters. They're foxes. And they're not, they're not mutant, giant foxes. They're described as mischievous little foxes. There's a line in our reading that's quoted by people who don't even believe in the Bible. It's a proverb. People say it all the time. Perhaps you've heard it. Perhaps you say it. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. People say that because it makes sense. These little foxes, we see them described here in such a way that you can just picture them wreaking havoc. You can just see them running up and down the rows, just ripping the vines down, tearing things up, ruining the harvest. They're pests in the vineyard. And this vineyard is in danger of being destroyed, not because of bears and buffaloes, but because of little foxes. Everybody say, little foxes. The little foxes were the enemies of the harvest. Hudson Taylor, back in history, once said, though they may be small, the mischief they do is great. And that's exactly right. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. In criminal science, there is something called the broken window theory. Maybe you've heard of it. It was introduced in 1982 by social scientists James Q. Wilson and George I. or L. Kelling. Wilson and Kelling stated, quote, consider a building with a few broken windows. If the windows are not repaired, the tendency is for vandals to break a few more windows. Eventually, They may even break into the building. If it's unoccupied, perhaps they'll become squatters or light fires inside. They went on and said, quote, Consider a stretch of pavement. pavement. Some litter accumulates. Soon more litter accumulates. Eventually, people even start leaving bags of trash from takeout restaurants or even maybe break into cars. They present the idea that it's not the big things that ruin a neighborhood, but it's the little things that accumulate over time. The theory suggests at first it's not drugs or gangs or violence. Rather, it's people not caring about the little things, a broken window or some trash on the sidewalk. And over time, this carelessness and negligence builds and attitudes shift, and damage is done. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. 
This same proverb has been uh, used and, and spoken and expressed in a few different ways. You've heard this, there's a tipping point. You've heard this, the straw that breaks, what? The camel's back, or death by a thousand little cuts. Now, there are two sides of this little fox's message that I want to present today, and God's going to speak to us. In our first Monday prayer, the Lord dropped this into my spirit, and I've been chewing on it for a while, and and I just want to share it. I I think God's going to say something very powerful to some of us in particular. Are you ready for this? The first point is this. The devil sends little foxes into your vineyard to steal God's blessings. The devil sends little foxes into your vineyards to steal God's blessings. If it was a bear or a buffalo, if it was a monster, you would immediately recognize it and see the danger. But because it's a little fox, you're not so concerned about it. You may be thinking, Donovan, how can the devil steal God's blessings in my life? Well, I'll tell you how. He can convince you that those little foxes don't matter, that the details of your everyday life are not important to God. He'll cause you to be careless and negligent about little things. Now, I've already mentioned it. Jesus cares about little things. He said our Heavenly Father cares about the sparrows. He also said about the wildflowers. He also said, and listen, some of us, it's not such a problem for him to do this, but he cares about the hairs on our head, right? He cares about the little things. Some of us, it's a little, little. Oh, never mind. You know, I need to move on from there. He cares about the little things. Sorry about that, Russell. He cares about the little things. He pays careful attention to the little things. In God's economy, Little things make big differences. Little things like the words that you say. James said the tongue is a little part of the body, but like the rudder on a giant ship, in comparison, that rudder is so tiny in comparison to the ship. And in comparison to your whole life, your tongue is just a little part of your life. But that little member, James said, directs the direction, directs the whole of your life. He said that the tongue is like a match. It's it's like I thought I had a match. I, I don't have my matches. He said that little tongue in your body that speaks those words is like a match. You strike that little tiny match and you can set 100,000 acres on fire with just a little tiny match, a very small thing. It, it looks like it shouldn't matter very much. It doesn't really matter what I say. It doesn't really matter the words that come out of my mouth. But it matters a great deal according to the Word of God. As a matter of fact, anytime you see a truth in God's Word and the devil tells you that's not what God really means or that doesn't really apply to you, That's a little fox the devil is sending to steal God's blessings from your life. Everybody say it's the little foxes. It's the little foxes. You hear what I'm saying? It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Scared you to death, didn't I? Watch out. 
It's the little foxes. When the devil gets you to resist the leading of the Word, the leading of the Lord, the leading of the Spirit, it's like leaving a broken window unrepaired or some litter on the sidewalk. That kind of carelessness repeated over and over again causes your heart to become calloused to the point that you're no longer tender to the things of the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm talking to somebody today where you, you can't be moved as easily as you once could have been. Y'all know I love to play the guitar. Now, I've come out of retirement since we've had all these injuries on our music team. But I love to play the guitar. As a matter of fact, there's a picture of me in the 80s with a 1963 jazz master with a 1954 Strat neck attached to it. That little piece of guitar that I'm holding right there today is probably worth $50,000. But, you know, I made a decision to make a little trade and then make another trade, and then I took my girlfriend to a U2 concert in Dallas with some money I got from those trades, and that concert's long gone, and so is that guitar and God knows I wish I could get that guitar back. But it's done disappeared somewhere in guitar world. It's in some collector's case somewhere. But here's the deal. I love to play guitar. One of the most difficult and challenging things about playing the guitar, though, is getting past the tenderness of your own fingers. Has anybody ever tried to play the guitar? You took lessons. You're like, you got all hot and bothered. I'm going to play the guitar. And you start playing that thing, and your fingers start blistering up and bleeding. And you're like, oh, you know, ah, it hurts so bad. And, and you go back and you play. Some just give up on it. But I'm telling you, if you push on through, you know what develops? Calluses. Calluses. They get, you get more and more callous. Hopefully, you get better and better on the guitar as well. That's not always the case. Hopefully you get better and better on the guitar. But you, you build up calluses. Am I telling the truth, Aaron? You get calluses on your fingers to the point that now, after all these years, I can't feel anything with the tips of these fingers. I have to be careful in handling hot stuff. You know, I'm in the kitchen all the time cooking like a mug. I mean, just constantly cooking and cooking for Valerie. And, and, and I have to be careful. <laughs> I have to be careful when, when I'm touching uh, something hot because I can't feel it on this left hand because of the calluses that build up. And when your heart becomes calloused to the leading of the Lord, you, use, you lose the ability to feel after God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That tenderness that you once had, you lose it. And it's that tenderness that will lead you and guide you and take you into God's best and God's blessing and God's favor. Many people want to be blessed of the Lord greatly. I mean, I think I could say we all do, but those same people will become careless when it comes to the details. It's the little foxes. And then when the blessings don't materialize, and God's best is nowhere in sight. They're confused and wonder why. What happened? Now, obviously, every negative situation in your life is not because you've resisted the Lord and you have a hard heart. But James 4, 8 says, draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. First Peter 5 and 6 says, 
Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. That humbling causes us to draw near to God. That humility causes us to be directed by His mighty hand. And that humbling causes us to pay careful attention to the details. In Matthew 25, in the parable of the talents, the master said to the faithful servants that because they were faithful over what? A few things. He would make them ruler over many things. It's those little things, those seemingly unimportant things that you manage correctly in your life. Those details, you've got to pay attention to the details and to the little things. If you say no to the little things that the Lord tries to direct you in, those little foxes will rise up and they will ruin the blessing of the Lord that He's trying to bring about in your life. They will rob you of the favor that God has already spoken over your life. It's the little foxes that will eventually cause you heartache and pain. Listen, this past Friday morning, Kelly Brown, thank God for Kelly Brown. I mean, bad, bad Kelly Brown, meanest man in the in the whole town, right? Yeah, you better be careful on those music lines. Kelly and Brown, Kelly Brown came over and we took down a tree, Russell. You, you have memories of that? We took down a tree in my backyard. Now that's me right there with the rope. I, I'm I'm Vital in my in my shrimp boots. I'm vital to this operation here. And we, we took this trip. Now, thank God Aaron showed up. We didn't take the picture. Well, I just walked off and left Aaron with it. But we were taking down this tree. And there's Aaron, yeah. <laughs> Where's your shrimper boots, Aaron? So, you know, Aaron is the one that during the flood, he was rescuing people barefooted. Y'all remember that? Got a cut, got injured, and all that swampy, nasty water. So Aaron doesn't wear these kind of boots, you know. He, it, we were lucky he had shoes on. He's from Sarepta. So, so we were pulling this tree down as, as Kelly cut it. We got the thing down, and thank the Lord it didn't fall on the house or the, or the neighbor's house or the fence or anything like that. But we took down this tree. The thing was, it was dying on the inside. It had been dying for a long time, but it didn't look like it. It looked fine. You couldn't see it. It looked solid on the outside, but on the inside, it was hollow because for years and years, little things, little bugs, little holes developed from too much moisture. This may sound a little old-fashioned today, but it's better to bow the knee to the Word of God than to bow the knee to the world out here. It's more important to be obedient to the things of God than to be popular with your peers. And parents, if we'll teach our kids to be humble before God when they're young, during their teenage and young adult years, they won't give us the kind of trouble that they're notorious for giving us. The reason why is because they won't be hollow on the inside. They'll be solid on the inside, fully committed to the things of God. 
Psalm 1 says it like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. It's the little foxes we got to teach our kids, pay attention to the details. Don't worry about what your peers think. They'll be gone in a few years. You better worry about what the Word of God says. We need to model that, mentor that to our young people. I'm telling you, they will mimic what you example before them, mom and dad. And if you put the things of God first, they'll put the things of God first. I'm telling you, we got to do that. Give the Lord some praise right now. Can you do it? It's the little foxes. But I've got good news. If the devil has sent the little foxes to steal your blessings, my God is a fox hunter who knows how to hunt down the little foxes and take them out and give you a whole new start on your vineyard and a clean slate. He knows how to restore that vineyard and make it productive and fruitful. And he knows how to get his best to you. Thank God for his mercy. Amen. Now, I want to present the other side. I say there's two sides to this little fox's message. Now, here's, here's the other side, and this is so exciting to me. You can send little foxes into the devil's vineyard. Woo. The devil has a vineyard, too. And when he's fruitful, he is successfully stealing from you and killing and destroying. He's hurting us. When his vineyard is productive, he's wrecking hell on us in our world, in our families, in our finances, in our health, in our relationships. He's wearing us down, and he's tearing us down, and he's trying to wear us out. That's what the Bible says. And often in our warfare, we feel like we're not winning or that we're not having much of an impact, like our prayers don't seem to be going anywhere. And our worship just seems to be hitting the ceiling and getting nowhere. And our tithes and our offerings don't seem to make any kind of difference. But I'm here to tell you today, those little, careful, attention to detail, repetitive acts of obedience are little foxes that are spoiling the devil's vineyard. I want to tell you, when you come to church on Sunday and Wednesday and you gather in community groups, I want you to know you are obeying Hebrews 10.25 that says, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. The devil wants you to think it's not making a difference in your life. But I'm telling you, the devil is a liar Because you are being transformed. Your mind is being renewed by the word of God. You're being changed from faith to faith and glory to glory. He's building you up and edifying you and raising you up and moving on you with his spirit. The devil is a liar. You're sending little foxes into the devil's vineyard. Watch out now. What? You're sending little foxes into the devil's vineyard. And when you're tithing and walking in generosity, the devil will tell you, you're wasting your money. 
It's not doing a bit of good. It's not making a difference. But I want to tell you, the devil is a liar. You're positioning yourself for the Lord to bless you, for the Lord to open the windows of heavens, what the Word says, and pour you out a blessing that you can't contain and that the Lord loves a cheerful giver and that my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You are sending little foxes. Let me get it over there. Wow, Ben, I'm sorry, bud. You are sending little foxes into the devil's vineyard. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. When you govern your thoughts, listen to me. When you govern your thoughts, the devil will tell you it doesn't make a difference. But I'm going to tell you the devil is a liar. Isaiah 26.3 says, perfect peace have they whose mind is stayed on thee. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from out of your mouth, but you will meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You're sending little foxes into the devil's vineyard and spoiling his goods. Philippians 4.8 speaks about the mind. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We've got to get our thinking in line with God's Word. Get a hold of your mind, man. Don't let thoughts stay in there that need to go. And you can't fight thoughts with thoughts. You've got to fight thoughts with words. Speak, open your mouth and speak the word of God to those thoughts. I rebuke you, devil. I'm not going to think on those lines. I'm going to let that person's offense against me go. I'm going to put my attention on you, Jesus. I'm not going to think those thoughts of doubt and insecurity. I'm going to put my mind on you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your mercy. I can't explain a lot of things that have happened, but I know you're a good God. I'm starting right there, planting my flag right there, and I'm saying you're good, your mercy is everlasting, and I'm going to love you for the rest of my life and watch what happens to those negative thoughts. Come on, somebody give him some praise. Get a hold of your thoughts. Get a hold of your words. The devil says it doesn't matter what you say. Just speak your mind. Speak your peace. Come on. Say what you feel. Say what you want to say. I want to tell you something. No. Govern that thing. That tongue is guiding your life. Get a hold of it. Back it up. Reel it in. Because if you'll do that, there are promises in the Word of God that say you can speak to a mountain and that mountain will move but listen, it's the little foxes that mess that up. You've got to pull it all in and discipline yourself and deal with the little foxes. The little foxes. Somebody needs to know today, your little steps of obedience are making a big difference. Your little steps of obedience 
are making a big difference. Years ago at LifePoint, I had a guy, I've told this story, it's such a funny story, but it's really sweet and precious. And if you're religious, just like, don't listen to me, okay, uh, for the next 30 seconds here, two minutes. We had called a church-wide fast. I said, church, we got to fast and pray. You know, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and I'll hear from heaven, you know, I'll forgive their sins, I'll heal their land. I'm like, we need, we need to fast and pray. So I, we had 20, 25, 30 people, I don't know what we had at the time. I said, we're, we're going to call a church-wide fast. And, and one of our leaders uh, called me and he said, Pastor, I just wanted you to know, I'm so proud of Caesar. And I said, yeah, Caesar was a new kid coming. He was this young man, probably a young adult. Caesar was coming. He says, we're so proud of Caesar. And Caesar wasn't his real name. They just all had names for each other. He said, uh, Caesar, Caesar's, he's fast. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's incredible. Wow, I didn't expect that. He's brand new. I mean, he's, he doesn't know anything about the Lord hardly. He said, yeah, Pastor, I just want you to know he's fasting. I said, that's great. He said, he's fasting pot. I said, my God, that is amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's Caesar. So I go to my pastor convention, you know. How's it going? I said, man, we're doing great. We call it a church-wide fast. I got people fasting media and food and pot. Like, it's incredible what God is doing at our church. Now, we laugh about that, but you know what Caesar was doing? He was taking a little fox that was in his vineyard, and he was saying, I'm going to get rid of this little fox. And you know what he was doing? He was sending a, a little fox into the devil's vineyard that was saying, you've held me captive for too long, and I'm not going to be held there any longer. Some of you need to understand, you've been held captive too long. The bad stuff has been happening too long. You need to send some foxes into the devil's vineyard to destroy what he's trying to come against you with. Stand with me right now. Stand with me right now. I just want to help you. There's frustration. We get frustrated. Lord, why is it not happening? Why are all these things happening? Again, every bad thing that happens to you is not because you've hardened your heart. But I want to tell you, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's because we've resisted and we've said no. And the little foxes are having their, their, their way in our vineyard. But it's time for the little foxes to be put in their place. Somebody say little foxes. Oh, my, looky here. I got a couple more. It's the little foxes. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. You don't know. I went to the same place. There's a, there's a limit on these foxes. There we go. It's the little foxes. But I serve a God. He understands. He knows where we are. He knows what we're dealing with. He not only knows where we are, but how we got there. And listen, he's calling some of you. There's some little foxes you just need to lay down. You need to get rid of. And in so doing, you're going to send some foxes into the enemy's camp. And he's going to begin to restore. The Lord's going to begin to restore what the enemy 
has stolen from you. Well, where do I start, Donovan? You start right where you are, right? You can't start somewhere else. Just start today right where you are. Well, I'm not quite ready. I don't have all the pieces in place. You don't need any more pieces in place than the ones that are already there. It's you and your God. If you'll just let him, he'll take care of those foxes for you. He'll help you with that. You can start paying attention to the details starting right now. And if you'll keep it up, if you'll keep it up, you're going to come to a tipping point, a straw that breaks the camel's back, a suddenly, a moment that took time to get to. But when you get to that moment, that result of faithfulness, that little by little walking humbly before the Lord, there's going to be that suddenly, that breaking point where everything shifts and everything changes. Ask Abraham, ask Joshua at Jericho as they went six days around the walls. And then on the seventh day, six more times. And then that final seventh time, it didn't look like it was going to work. It looked like a stupid thing to do. But he was humbling himself under the mighty hand of God and being directed. And he sure did reap a harvest at the end of that seven times around on the seventh day. Ask Naaman when he was asked to to dip in the Jordan River seven times. It seemed like a foolish thing. Ask the believers in Acts chapter 2 when they were praying in a 10-day prayer revival, waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Didn't seem like it was going to happen. I got to get back to work. I got things to do. But some of them persevered, 120 of them in that upper room. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it came like a rushing mighty wind. They've been waiting. They've been praising for 10 days. But the Holy Spirit broke in on them. Ask Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail as they're praising and praying and, and they're still in their bondage. But all of a sudden an earthquake takes place and they're delivered and everybody in the jail is delivered with them. Those small steps of obedience are like body blows to the devil. My father-in-law was a boxing fan. I remember watching a lot of boxing matches with Buddy. And, and, and I, I, was, I didn't know a whole, my, my dad wasn't. I didn't know much about the, the sport of boxing. And Buddy would explain it to me. And, and I remember watching this one fight one night. And, and, and it was this guy that just, he was getting pounded in the head. But he just kept pounding the body of his opponent over and over. And it didn't look like it was doing any good. He was punching, punching. And he's getting smashed. He's bleeding. The other guy's not bleeding. But he just kept going after that body. And it, it wasn't long until like the fourth or fifth round. I saw that, that guy that was getting the body blows. He just buckled. He had been hollowed out on the inside. And he just dropped. And it didn't make sense. But it did if you understood boxing. It was that repetitive body blow, body blow, body blow. And that's what small steps of our obedience are when it comes to the enemy of our soul. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to open this altar here in just a minute. And I'm going to do it like this. Maybe you've been wondering, is my obedience doing any good? Is my coming to church doing any good? I've been discouraged. I don't see the results I want. Is my worship or my prayers doing any good?
I want to tell you something. God knows who you are. He knows right where you are. And he has declared incredible things over you. And he wants to re-energize you and fill you with hope and get you to believing once again that God is for you. He is not against you. And he is able to complete that which he has started. He's not going to leave you hanging. He's not going to leave you halfway. He's going to take you all the way. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the challenge of the little foxes. God, we need to get rid of some little foxes. but We also need to send in some little foxes. Those little steps of obedience. They're so effective. The devil lies to us and tell us, tells us they're not. But God, we know it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The enemy doesn't want us to know how effective our prayers really are. But if we could see in the heavenlies, those dark places are being pulled back. And the light of God's mercy and love is shining in those places. I pray, God, that you would convict us today. That you'd give us fresh hope and inspiration today. In Jesus' name.